Hello, and welcome to this episode of Conscious Design. I'm your host, Ian Peterman, an author of the Conscious Design book. And today I'm excited to have Caroline Mueller. She's the lead designer for the ecosystem of Nomono. They're a winner of the 2023 South by Southwest Innovation Award, which is very exciting. You have a beautiful design and welcome to the show. Thank you, Ian. Really, really glad you're having me here. Yeah, well, I'd love to, if you could super briefly talk about, you know, the the start of the company, but then I, you know, you and I, we really want to talk about how you started and the sustainability and the design process, which is a lot, <laughs> but have you just start kind of at the beginning, how did you join yeah, so um, I think for me, it's always been like a journey through all of this. There hasn't been like a clear uh, or there have been many clear goals uh, throughout uh, my like path through university and um, work life. Uh, for me, it's always been like this balance, you know, between uh, the theoretical part and the practical part. And I'm a very practical person, really. But I really enjoy doing the theoretical stuff as well, because it lets you kind of explore the limits outside of what's practically feasible. And it often leads to a bit more creativity and so on. So for me, that's always been a struggle. So I've been bouncing back and forth between uh, industrial design, which seems to kind of combine the two, um, but then also like more theoretical subjects like politics and uh, linguistics. And uh, for me, that has really shaped uh, the way I think about things. And I think that's how I landed in the whole sustainability side of things as well, because when we think about sustainability, we usually say, uh, we usually think about like the eco-friendly kind of part of it, but really there's like this huge ethics part of it, which is in a way very abstract and very theoretical, right? Um, yeah. And uh, But still something we need to solve because we can all go around and recycle and think about what materials we use in a product. And then in the end, we don't really think about how the larger effect on people and the larger effect on like how do we drive change more efficiently than to change small habits one by one right yeah yeah that is that is a big <laughs> a big thing i think a lot of people are are really thinking about and it's we'll figure out i think uh, we will it's a big <laughs> that's a very big topic it's a big though, question <laughs> to, to tackle um Really quick, for those that don't know what Nomono is, could you give just a brief summary of what your technology is? Because I, I think it's fascinating. I think I think you've everything you just said. You guys have applied and you've you've created something that I don't think a lot of people have thought about as being even possible. So, yeah. <laughs> that's actually one of our main challenges that uh, sometimes it's a bit too good to be true that's really hard to sell because people won't believe you um, essentially what we do is we make uh, hardware and software uh, a full ecosystem uh, which not just because of my title but you will hear me talk about that a lot uh, because we are a bit obsessed with making a workflow rather than a product in a way uh, so that we can cover the entire workflow instead of covering specific 
points or specific product needs. Um, and what we do is, um, or I can go back a bit, we started out in 2019, right before the pandemic, as though we knew podcasts would be a huge thing <laughs> during the <Right>. pandemic. <laughs> uh, and we, um, yeah, we started out as a research project, which actually was uh, over 20 years of research and a lot of patents that came out of that from one of our co-founders. Mm. Uh, and then from there, this was this little spin out, uh, which was uh, going through some transformative stages. They were like exploring the whole 3D audio thing and how that could be applied in a good way on technology today. And in 2019, that was a really vague topic for most people. The whole Dolby Atmos thing was kind of up and coming, but like normal people like me wouldn't wouldn't know what actually is behind there it's like oh you place a few more speakers in your living room right. um <laughs> right, but right. otherwise it was just like this abstract concept and um yeah 3d audio is or like as we call it now spatial audio uh, which is probably more known because of apple and mercedes and uh, sonos and so on so uh, that have actually adapted that terminology as well um wasn't really there yet, but there was definitely potential and everyone could see that. Um, so fast forward, now we're four years into our startup journey. And uh, we have developed, I actually have one next to me in the wrong colors though, for, for the designers. <laughs> um, uh, we have developed this hardware and uh, software platform that interact with each other. Uh, and they really work as one ecosystem. So um, we have created like a full workflow. It's everything from just uh, recording professional audio uh, by pressing literally one button. So you don't set any levels or gain or anything. And then all the way into the cloud where you can uh, uh, again, press one button to enhance and do all the like cleanup and everything. Uh, and then, uh, uh, you can edit soon, which is uh, developing, but uh, and then uh, download and then you publish. So that's the whole premise behind this. And obviously all of this you can do in spatial audio if you want to, since our product is laid out for that. And that's amazing, right? Because it's in a box. It's one, one product you pop up, you do, you do your recording. And you're able to create that spatial audio, which, yeah, I think, and I think it's still a right, right. Most people think about it and like, oh, spatial 3D audio, like it's a couple more speakers. And I still think a, a lot of people are, we're more aware of it, right? Because your AirPods could have spatial, right? The spatial setting on it. But there's a difference between clicking spatial and going, oh, that sounds cool to actually knowing what what is really happening to make make that happen, uh, which is great. And it's crazy, yeah. you guys, 20 years. I mean, that sounds right for, for a lot of people. Like that's a very long time to be working on a, a technology. Uh, but it's, it seems like it's paid off, right? 20, 20 years later, it's the 20-year 20 overnight success <laughs> of research. <laughs> Uh, but that's but it's great and I, 
I would love to, and you touched on this a little bit, the design approach, right? Because there's there's definitely there's the heavy research side where it is that theoretical, nothing practical, right? You're just like, oh, it's a cool idea, and there's probably lots of math, <laughs> and that's <laughs> that's it. How have you guys been able to? Because you've taken that technology, but you you guys are really thinking through that process of how to practically turn it and you're, you're adding more features, you're, you're growing that system. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your d- design process and how you've taken that idea that no one would know what it, what it means into this practical, here's the thing and it does this and you can understand it. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, even during the research years, there was a lot of practical stuff just to give Audun that uh, that credit uh, that he uh, definitely deserves from that time. Uh, even good. though I have, have very little knowledge about that part of the development. So um, uh, he could probably talk a lot about that in, in a different episode. Um, but uh, they, um, for, for us, it's really been about making something that uh, you and I can understand uh, in an instant. So for us, it's, it's really been about uh, democratizing spatial audio in, in a way uh, that is like more than knowledge democratizing, right? Uh, because we see a huge potential in the technology as such. Obviously, you can see the potential in having like uh, um yeah a big cinema experience where you would like the voices and the noises to come from different sides um to have like a more immersive experience but there is so much more to it and uh, one of the things is uh that we've been very obsessed with during this design process as well is the accessibility and uh uh, what research has been showing is that spatial audio does make it easier uh, to to distinguish voices. And uh, if okay. us two, we would like talk over each other right now and we would like say two different things. If we were in the same room uh, together with uh, the listeners, then they could say, OK, I'm now I'm tuning in and listening to Ian, right? Because we have spatial abilities. Um, and that is something that we lose as soon as we go into a um, into a mono mix and uh, publish it online and suddenly we have this uh, pancake effect right where you're just stacking noises on top of each other and you can't really distinguish it anymore so that's been our uh yeah our main goal and it's not just because um for the rare instances where we would talk over each other but it's also for all of those instances where you're commuting, which is a huge uh, platform for people to actually listen to, for example, podcasts, um, so that you would be able to listen to podcasts and maybe don't have to put the volume all the way up just because you can't understand them. Uh, but spatial audio makes it actually easier to, to listen uh, to content in general and to actually understand it. Uh, not to mention people who are hearing impaired, like um, uh, and without having the extra bus from uh, from public transport or whatever it could be. 
but uh, for so for us that has really been one of the main pillars and uh, this uh, whole thing has been grounded very much in design so uh, one of the first employees was our cdo uh, and now we have a team of six uh, designers in total on a team of 30 oh god uh, 38 i think uh, employees which is uh, which is quite a quite a big ratio uh, for a small startup uh, but a lot of that has been because we are looking for uh, creating that experience and creating that um, understanding of a technology that is just not uh, uh, mainstream yet in that sense. Yet, yet it will be. Yeah, it's. I hadn't thought about audio because you know most people don't even think about this stuff of how flattening audio makes it harder to understand what you're actually listening to like that's a huge huge component and I'd, ima I'd imagine it makes it easier to edit and it makes it easier if you have you have all these you can actually listen to it <laughs> better <laughs> you you'll you know what's going on better and you're able to yeah that's I hadn't thought about that at all, which is which is crazy. Thinking about like accessibility to audio, because we all just think like, oh well, of course. I mean, except for unless you're you know hard of hearing and in some way, the automatic thought is, well, of course we have audio. We have you know what we're not limited. Why 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 would we we think that? Um, but yeah, and I understand the compression process. So yeah, it flattens flattens that audio out horribly and I guess we have stereo but that's still really narrow mm. compared to a full 3d experience right it's still yeah and it also like <laughs> when you have noises from around like now you and I we're sitting in fairly noise uh cancelled environments in here yep. but as soon as you have any background noises they have to be mixed in on one or the other track right uh, and so they get flattened out with one or the other voices as well um so even in stereo you have your problems with that <laughs> yes the yeah sense. the noise gets I guess it would be added right it would pick one one channel and that's that's where it gets stuck on yeah makes it a well, worse channel for that yeah instant. i would mm. i would love to talk about a little bit on the sustainability and and partly partly i well also the, the design driven part like the fact that you guys have so many designers i mean you guys have won an award south by southwest like that's no small feat um mm. i i think it really comes through like your product is really well designed like and, and I have a design background it's great to see that you guys are taking this technology that's hard to understand and designing it in a way that the average person who's like I don't know spatial audio it's a cool I, I airpod setting <laughs> that they told me about um and turning into this thing in that process and, and you've helped run among your many many hats some of the sustainability efforts how has that played in to the design and the design thinking process because there's accessibility on one hand making it actually usable and then sustainability as well 
Mm. Yeah, I, w- I would say that accessibility is somehow is a category in sustainability because that's how we actually create a sustainable product that is usable for for people uh, in general and like many many generations ahead. Uh, but uh, yeah, for for us, I think we started very early. This was our second year when we established. Uh, the uh, sustainability committee and that was when I joined as well and um, what we tried to do with that is to create something that is anchored in the organization because what um, I at least always feel I don't know if you agree with me on this but there is a spokesperson for sustainability and one person who makes the report and they will go around and get information from the company for sure but um, there is more like the need to report to someone rather than the ability to change something that will be reflected in a report right Um, i would agree with that (laughs) (laughs) that's at least how i've been experiencing it and i feel like uh yeah we we should have some kind of shift in that we we have a very uh, like we are very aware about like uh, how you structure companies in general and we have uh, people who are very passionate about that in our company and so uh, a lot of that like thinking about having a flat hierarchy and all of that uh, was kind of inspiring this work as well Um, so what we um, tried to do was to create this we call it the ethics league to sound a bit cooler to uh, to create this like uh, group of people who are uh, coming from the different sides of the company and and who all have like skills that would fit into uh, this group, but there shouldn't be like uh, we we wanted to it to make obviously we are we were uh, twenty people at the time or something when it was established, um, so we didn't we couldn't have everyone in there. Um, for like many reasons and also because we're a startup and we have limited resources of course but uh, uh, we tried to make it like a mix and so what our goal was was to uh, create like um, that everyone who has like somehow a decision power that could uh, be affected by like a sustainability thought or ethics thought that that person that one of those people would be in that So we started out with five people that were like representing supply chain, mechanical engineering, software. Um, Let's see. I hope I don't forget anyone. No, we were actually four, maybe. I really hope I didn't forget anyone. That was in the start, at least. (laughs) But we were very like focused on having the all the corners. And then uh, I was there from from design just to like um ensure that we would follow through from start to finish as well so that we would the first concepts that we would make would be coherent with the story that we tell at the end right um so so that was yeah otherwise you lose you fall off path somehow every time yeah and and it is hard to keep track even if you have that person because there are a lot of thoughts and there are a lot of good thoughts let's be honest uh that you have to throw out along the way and some that come in you and it's uh it's such a like messy process when you're first starting out to try and make uh a whole company 
somehow sustainable, not just a product, right? Right. So that's yeah. um that's a lot more work than just Yeah. I feel like the product is is a not that it's easy, but definitely easier <laughs> than trying to do the whole company and every part too. Like that's a whole <laughs> there's a lot of moving parts. There is. And so what we tried to do was to create this hub where people could come and get information, but also them to go back to their teams. And because we have product teams uh, and go back and feed that information in there uh, and uh, come with information back and so on. So that was uh, our main goal with that. And what we landed in was kind of this discussion around what is our guiding principle and all of this where do we start because i mean obviously you can do a hundred different things we go back to the practical side you could do so much right <laughs> but yeah. resources like people money uh, time it's all limited and you have to start somewhere to make an impact and we started in the term emotional durability, which is a super fluffy term. Um, and this Love is that. where, like, yeah, this is where the theoretical side came in, uh, where we just sat down and we kind of figured out what does that term mean to us? What, what, what do we see in that and how can it guide us? Because if it's just a fluffy term, it can't, right? Um, so we need to find out what that is and what we tried to, or what we defined it as, for us at least, was um, to find a balance between extremely professional technology, which uh, like this is an extremely high-end product in the end, um, and getting that together with like a human-centric approach, something that is like basic in its, uh, how it works, right? So what we tried to create is, um yeah i mean sorry it's both basic but it's also something that is uh that you can get a connection with uh, in a way that you would desirable is maybe the term that i'm looking for but something that is like that's giving you something back that is more than just i'm going to use this for this recording and so what we tried what we narrowed it down to is we tried to make um we try to make a tool that is basically giving you the same uh, feelings or like emotions towards it, like as if it was an instrument, but without taking away the professionality of a tool. Um, mm. so that was I love that of, idea. <laughs> that was kind of where we where we started and uh, creating some kind of slow tech with very high professional as like very high professional gear. Hey, it's Ian here. So glad you're enjoying this episode of Conscious Design. If you want the full scoop on Conscious Design, what it is, how we do it, how you can do it, then check out our book. We wrote it so creative entrepreneurs like you can code social and environmental responsibility right into your brand's DNA. You can download the first chapter for free. Link is in the description. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Yeah, and so, I think we talked yeah. about that a little bit when we first chatted is the, is the idea. And I love it because a lot of companies don't think this way is really, really long term, right? You're, 
your approach to sustainability because every a lot of people are like oh it needs to be biodegradable it needs to be recyclable and it's like well sometimes yes and then sometimes what you need is this product that's going is going to last a long time and you got to think really far <laughs> into the future and future proof it as much as possible so that it can be upgraded and it can it can grow mm. with technology and with things as as we progress because I, I would imagine that spatial technology is is cool now but in 10 15 years it's probably going to be even cooler it's going to be more, more but but thinking just thinking that through that process is a, a a design approach that we not everyone looks at so i i really love that you guys are looking at it and going this is this is how we can be sustainable is that we're we aren't just this use it and then it you know dissolves and, and it's gone we're we're fu really future proofing it and adding that level of thinking through that process to go how can we make you know not just because i feel like sometimes we're like oh just make it last forever and then we're like well but technology does not forever like we're think about what technology where audio was 50 years ago is not or even 10 years ago we, we yeah, talked five. About atmos. What, when did yeah. atmos came out in like 20 2019 2015 somewhere like it's I pretty, i feel like this. it's pretty recent it's everywhere now but it yeah. but it actually isn't old it's fairly yeah. so like we have these leaps in technology mm. um and yeah, you're 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 thinking through that process is unique. I think it's good. More people need to <laughs> do that. But it's great I to agree. see you thinking through and how how have you kind of because that's a lot a lot of forward thinking <laughs> to sit and go through. How have you been able to like put that into your workflow and your design process of thinking? Of, is it how how are you guys approaching that? that concept mm. so if we're thinking very like hardcore industrial design side and like the manic mechanical engineering side um then our approach has been um to interpret this um what we've made of the emotional durability term uh, has been uh twofold um one has of course been uh, very like what you would think like uh, classic sustainability thoughts so uh, we minimize gluing or like other permanent joining uh, we mm. instead use screws and hide them well so that it still looks exclusive but it's easy to access and exchange the batteries for example um, and all of that so that you have like um, uh, a good foundation for us to to build that platform on and if we uh, where to make other products in the future. We we have already the learnings in uh, behind us uh, for that. But then we also have emotional durability since it has this side uh, of the like the emotional side, which also again is a bit more like a theoretical uh, side. Yeah. Um, that's that's a bit like you're saying. It's a bit like um, foreshadowing. It's a bit looking into the future uh which you can't but you can make some uh, some guesstimates right yeah. and yes. so our goal was to make it something that you would um 
form a bond with beyond, uh, as I said, like a bit more like an instrument than than a tool. Um, and so that is actually uh, one of the things why why it's round. So that was uh, a very uh, leading thought for that, uh, that we wanted mm. to make something that you can gather around where it's not you are the interviewer so therefore you're sitting with a board full of knobs and fancy tech and stuff like that right. uh, but rather we are making a conversation together and that conversation um is centered like around uh, this uh item this um portable studio i guess and then there are a lot of like small things like i don't know if this is gonna be if you can hear this, I'm going to open the clamp next to the microphone. <laughs> so it's like it's it's a lot of like small things where we have tuned a lot and made like these. Um, yeah, mm. so that it sounds right, that the resistance is right. And the same goes for the microphones, which are like um, inserted into this tray. And that also, let's see, oh, let's do this again. That also click in right mm. into the um because they have a little magnet inside and it's like it's a lot of these like tiny interactions that we've been very um very detailed and very thorough about uh to make it work and the same goes for for this one it's also like it's it's small things but it's really important for like or for me at least for like the overall impression uh the pogo pins on the bottom side of the uh, space recorder this is the ambisonics microphone um those go like in any direction into this uh, into this tray so you could place it like in any direction you want into it which also is this like making it accessible to anyone right uh to uh to right. put it in there so that is really a few things that we've been thinking about like from the mechanical side and then also from the like emotional design side um yeah well, i yeah. love i love that term i love the term emotional durability because it's it, you yeah and, and and tying it to an instrument because you think about because that I grew up playing instrument. I played the piano and I played the violin, which I still have my violin and it, I will yeah. probably, I will forever, but it is that emotional. It's, it's more than just like, if I lost a hammer, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. But I would be very, I would actually be sad if something happened to my violin. Like that's very, there is that emotional tie to it in, in some way. So I love that, that how you described it is, I understand it perfectly, um, which is great. I love that idea of thinking of how do you make something a product? Because it is like, right, we have what you're willing to throw away too, right? That That is part of sustainability. If you don't care about it, then you're not going to worry as much, right, about do I recycle it? Do I keep it? Do I take care of it? Mm. Because it's going to last a long time. If you don't, if you don't care about it, you're not going to, you're not going to do anything. Um, or, yeah. you know, it'll be just a, a by rote, like, oh, I recycle it because I recycle it. Not, I love it and I want to keep it. And it's, 
does what I want it to do and I get used to the sounds and the interaction and I enjoy right because you're you're thinking about like how do we make it enjoyable like Mm -hmm. just put pulling it apart putting it back together how do you make that enjoyable so that you're like, yeah, I want to, I want to do this. This is, this is fun. I, I always enjoy even just the act of popping off the cover. Like that's just cool and tying it, which is, which is great. I mean, it's, it's very few people go through that design thinking process. So it's great to have you guys, have you sharing what you're doing and how you're thinking through it. Cause I think a lot of brands would really benefit from thinking through this emotional attachment side of how do you and it ties in with sustainability how do you care right you got to care about the product otherwise you don't (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and like um it's very noticeable when you get a product a new product and you notice very fast if the people that made it cared about it coming out right for the <laughs> user, right? It's it's in an instant. Yes. Uh, that is like one of the uh, yeah one of the first things I notice at this point, at least when I uh, when I get a new product of any sort, and especially tech products, and uh, especially especially when it comes to sound equipment, uh, there is still this. Um, now, this is a bad example because this prototype is black, but I will tell you in a second that that's also a sustainability factor. <laughs> but uh, you always have these like black, very advanced looking um, gear types when you talk about uh, audio tech, right? So mm-hmm. the more advanced it looks, the more professional you are in a way. Um, And I mean, that's something that we've had, we've seen it in most tech industries, right? Uh, And nowadays, like the sleeker laptop or a phone is the better, because it means you don't have to do extra work to get to the same place as somebody who, who does the extra work, (laughs) just because they have the knowledge, right? So that is that is something that we we definitely got inspired by. And then it's like, um, it's it's in the team what you notice is not just the um like how much do they care but also how much do they think about the future and i mean i can Mm. sit and like theorize about emotional durability for half a year and share my findings and all of that and they will be like okay mm, yeah i guess (laughs) Uh, but as long as it's not like anchored that we are making this product to be around in 10 years and if somebody breaks it they want to go and fix it not return it or uh, throw it away in the worst case right Uh, then if you anchor that part then people will start making decisions based on that then it's not like hmm should we for example should we go for like a uh, a battery that will last for half a year <laughs> like that's uh, that's an understatement here but let's say a battery that lasts uh, at best five years or a battery that lasts at best 10 15 years like what is what is the span we're looking at and the same with components and everything and if every little decision is made to be future proof then the experience obviously will be or obviously the experience hopefully 
<laughs> as we all hope, <laughs> yes. uh, will will be that uh, that people see that or notice that even if just subconsciously, and will be like, okay, if they offer repair repair service, then I will rather get it repaired than uh, throw it away or just leave it be. <laughs> right. Yeah, I feel like that's there's some brands that have that. I think like KitchenAid products are pretty well known because they're very durable and you just repair them right there yeah whatever they've done in terms of explaining their brand and showing people and having it available you, you don't usually just see those thrown away you see them they get shipped and they get repaired and it's like oh we've had this for 25 years yeah the motor might have been replaced like you know whatever but it's still there and there's this thought that when you purchase it like this is this is an investment too and I think that kind of yeah thought process is it's right you're not just like oh I'm just gonna buy this cheap thing and it's gonna whatever it's like oh no I'm I'm gonna save up I'm gonna do, do whatever I'm gonna buy this thing and I'm going to repair if it breaks I'm not gonna throw it away I'm gonna repair it and I think you've mm you've summed up like they've done that and other brands have done that but I think you've summed it up in a very I, I just love your term <laughs> for it because I think it captures it captures that right the just the idea the intentionality of I'm going to take care of maintain there's more emotion <laughs> attached to it um than just the I bought whatever I bought a spoon I lost the spoon like and it's not important at all um which is great it's it's great I love it um mm. yeah I think we can talk and about just, that a whole lot I think there's a lot of design thinking around how you can do that yeah for sure and just like as a side note some people will say because this is a, a high-end product it is in an upper range for the price if you compared with like consumer products um but uh but and then they will say oh, okay but people will take care of it because it's uh it has cost them something uh, but like you were saying with the KitchenAid things uh it, it's usually not because of that if um if you buy a macbook um there will be a certain time where you take very good care of it <laughs> like approximately a week <laughs> and then you start to realize that this is an object that I use so I'm gonna start using it right, right. and um, yes. then of course uh, Apple has done a good job at like uh, making a really good user experience as well but to a certain degree we will always be a bit like this uh, okay even if it's an expensive object uh, it is something we use and we want this to be something that you use just like a laptop or whatever you want this to be something that does something good and not just stand around and is like pretty right <laughs> that's not yeah. something we want either so that's why right. we kind of want the want the tool in there as well because like um with an instrument you make beautiful music and the like experiences in the using but we also want the outcome to be something great and something, uh, yeah, desirable in this case. Right. Yeah. Cause you're, you're, you kind of have 
a few different users, right? If you're, you have the people who are actually making whatever, whatever podcast audio, but then you're also creating, you are helping to create what everybody who listens to that actually gets to hear, right? So like technically everybody that listens to a podcast made on your product is also experiencing <laughs> your your product in in some way which is yeah you know and i think that's a good way to think about it too right there's there's it's very rare you have and i think a lot of designers i don't know about your school experience but it was mostly about oh the one user like whoever initially used the product was like that's the user that's your focus and not thinking so much about well yeah but if this is making a thing, what's the experience? Like, is it going to make it really well? Like, is it going to, is it going to make the, all the other experiences, those, those tangential experiences, are those going to be good too? Or are you, are you going to enjoy the audio when you listen to it? Or is it just cool because, you know, you push a button and it, and it makes it for you. Like it's got to think through that. So it's, I'm glad you mentioned sure. that. Yeah. That's, it's important to think about those additional experiences attached to your product and for us this has been like like obviously the listener is like a customer of our customer in a way right but we also have the different steps within the first customer which is um like and i'm sure you're very aware of how a podcast production works uh so but uh for those who don't know that there are so many steps and so many people involved in like in, in a big production, you, you will have a lot of people along the way that guide different aspects of this. And uh, for all of them to be able to come together around something um, that has kind of been our goal, right? So to make a user experience that is somewhat the same for everyone rather than uh, having this I don't know if you've experienced this, but uh, if you share your recordings, for example, with a guest, because the guest has said, oh, I said something that was a bit off. Uh, I don't yeah. think I want that to be out there. I don't know if that has happened. It, it has. Has, that, it has. It has, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine because if you have like a flowing conversation and you're comfortable, then you start saying things and it's not always things that you want to yeah, be on the record for later on. Yeah. And <laughs> yes. And those kind of moments, especially because we create a setting where like, just like us two right now, we can like with these uh, microphones that we have, we can just talk very freely. We don't have like big microphones in our face uh, mm-hmm. where you're very aware that you're being recorded. Right. Um, so because we create such a like uh, setting for uh, natural and somewhat like uh, not private, but like an intimate conversation, right? Um, Where you can like let the barriers down a bit. Uh, You do want to have the opportunity to say in hindsight, oh, okay, that was really not something I wanted to say. (laughs) And and then, uh, uh, then it starts, right? Because then you have a file of like an hour and I want to delete something in the middle and I don't know where it was anymore and you don't remember which exact part. Uh, <laughs> yes. And so you will either share the entire file with me or you will go through and then you will share like a section with me. 
alternatively, I, when I have received the file, I will come back to you with a time code and you have to yep. go in, find the time code. And all of that, uh, like the experiences around making a podcast that aren't necessarily like the part that we're doing right now, right? Which is, no, this is so fun much part. fun. Yeah. <laughs> right uh so this is really what we want to focus on and that is why we kind of say okay we um we delete all of the setting up parts we delete all of the parts where the tedious forth and back because our platform lets us communicate directly you could share it with me as a reviewer i would just be like commenting on the sections that might not be good if there's anything that I want to right. take out and then you can do that and you can comment back and be like, nah, Caroline, that's okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> nobody will notice you slipped up. <laughs> and, uh, and that's, uh, that's kind of the, it's since podcasts are a group effort in most cases, uh, right. at least between host and guest, right? We really uh, aimed to make that experience for everyone involved as good as possible. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of back and forth. There's even, and we have a small team, but it still takes uh, four, including me, plus however many guests are on just to just to make the podcast for everyone who's listen, who's going to end up listening to this. Uh, it's been at least five people on, on including you, the, the guest, to, to uh, bring this episode to life. So, mm. yeah, it's exciting you guys are are tackling because there is a lot, there's a lot that goes into it for sure. Um, well, this is this has been really amazing. Uh, there's you guys are doing so much. I love the design focus that you guys have. You guys put a lot of thinking into your process, your design, the experience. Um, I can easily see why you guys were able to win at South by Southwest. And Thank you. yeah, it's just been great having you here. I really appreciate it. Uh, before we kind of wrap up though, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to share if anybody wants to reach out to you guys, if there's anything else you want to mention, I just want to make sure you have, have that time to add anything that you need, want to. Yeah, I mean, we're always welcoming people reaching out with anything that they're thinking of when they hear this. Like for me personally, obviously, I am always intrigued by anyone who has any thoughts that could like lead us like further with our sustainability work and our design work and everything. Um, I always think it's fun to hear from other designers, but also like every other discipline that has like, yeah any sort of input is really fun to hear um yeah it could be mentioned that we uh, are selling our product now uh, and we do have our cloud so the uh, solution where you can like enhance and edit in soon <laughs> but you can comment and share already uh, that all of that uh, is available in our beta version right now. And that uh, means that it's completely free for the time being. So um, you Got can uh, so run through other, yeah, you can run through anything. It doesn't have to be from our gear. It's, it works best with our gear, but our enhancement is, I'm, I'm not going to okay. say it's the best, but 
you know <laughs> it's, it's up there it's up there it's it's 20 years of research i think that's most <laughs> most enhancements can say that <laughs> yes that is that is probably the most research back enhancement i've ever heard of yes <laughs> amazing amazing well thank you so much i really appreciate your your time caroline it's been it's been a pleasure talking to you and talking through your process and what you guys are doing and for listeners we will have links and everything in the description definitely check them out uh, amazing product available now so do check it out and yeah thanks again i yeah it's been a really great conversation thanks for being on the show thank you ian thank you for having me <laughs>